Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. The Colorado Avalanche have won the Stanley Cup. Raymond Barr, a dream, has come true. Featured ahead, McKinnon racing and shoots and scores! Nathan McKinnon! President Jim Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use promo code THPN when you sign up for access to exclusive offers. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Belay, and we just had another real fun game against the New York Rangers last night. Avalanche win it 4-2 to two once again, but not a lack of things to talk about in this one. Christian, how did you see this game being in the arena? It was awesome, man. Um, I'm going to go off on a little tangent here because this has been frustrating me. Um, as Avs fans who go to games, we need to be better about who we sell our tickets to. The past two games where we've had Detroit and New York Rangers fans, it's disgusting. And I it, it drives me crazy because Colorado is a passionate sports town for the abs, but these out-of-towners come in and they take over the arena. I don't know if it was bad on TV last night, but when, in the building it sounded like it, it was, was 75% Rangers fans. It was noticeable on TV, yeah. I will say that, which is hard. And that shouldn't happen for a team as good as the Avalanche. And it really, I, I really want to challenge abs fans. If you have season tickets, find out who you're selling them to and make sure they aren't the opposing team's fans, because it is, it's been really, I'm going to sound like an old man here, but it's been disappointing to see the opposing team's fans so much in these past couple games. Um, so that's my challenge to you. Abs fans is go see this team live. They are really, really good, and the opposing team's fans should not be taking over the arena. Um, but other than that, it felt like another playoff game, personally. That's what I, I thought the feeling was like. Um, I thought the Avs played one of their better defensive games of the year. Um, it was, again, another repeat of the Panthers game where the shot total doesn't really tell the story because the Rangers probably got 10 shots in the final two minutes of the game. I think they got 10 shots on like one attempt in like the final 10 seconds. Yeah. That crazy Kemper save. Yeah. Like it's, it was very reminiscent of the abs from last year. Um, Their defensive effort in the past couple of games has been fantastic. Um, I just, it was another really fun game to be at. I'm glad the abs won, but it was just a really, really fun game. Yeah. It got a little sweaty towards the end. I must say. It's the avalanche, man. Uh, the, uh, yeah, the avalanche. I've been tweeting this a lot on Twitter. The avalanche, under no circumstance, make things easy. Under no circumstance do they just win easily, unless they do, which they do sometimes. You know, when they score seven goals, sometimes. Even then, we had a game against the Flyers where it was a little close. Well, and the yeah. Senators game, too. <laughs> yeah, Senators game. And then we lost that one. So, yeah. But yeah, this was a real fun game to watch. Um, Against an, again, against another very solid team in the Rangers. I've said before we played the Rangers the first time that we haven't really had that big statement win yet. We've gotten three 
in the last six days against the Rangers twice and against the Panthers. And yeah, this, this felt like a real playoff win. I don't know about playoff game. The Panthers game was just a whole other breed late in this game. That's the kind of game you're going to have to hold on to in the playoffs where you've got a multi-goal lead. You have a goal taken back, which we will talk about because that I've got some more. We've we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah. We'll talk and, about it. Yeah. And, uh, a bad goal by Darcy Kemper given up to make this a, a one goal game with about two minutes left to play. And it, it got real close there. I, I thought Chris Kreider had tied that game for a second before Kemper made that outstanding save. And after the, the cadre fanning on the, the empty net, I mean, this game was a little hairy, but they pulled it out. Yeah. I thought Darcy Kemper was fantastic last night. It's kind of a bummer. He let that softy in because the past two games, Darcy Kemper has been fantastic. Um, I thought in the Panthers game, he was one of our best players on the ice. And then again, tonight against the Rangers, he wasn't busy throughout the entire game, but when we needed him most, he, he was fantastic. And he made a couple big saves. That save on Kreider happened right in front of me. I, I was just like you, I thought it was a goal. I was, yeah, like, oh, I, I was like, that's a great bounce right to Kreider. And he just managed to get the pat. The thing about Kemper is he has those moments where he lets in that just, he needs to control the rebound on the Gauthier goal. That's just a shot from the face-off that has no business getting loose. And then he makes that ridiculous save on Kreider. It's like, you don't know what you're going to get on a shot-by-shot basis with him. Yeah, and I would say that's probably my biggest gripe with Kemper is his yeah. rebound control. Because outside of that, he is a really damn good goalie. And if he can figure out these rebounds, uh, he's going to be pretty much unbeatable. I mean, he's he's been fantastic these past two games. I, I think his save percentage is probably in like the low nineties. Like he's been, he's been really good. So I'm excited to see how he plays. I think he's going to get the start in Nashville. I don't think they're going to put Francois against, um, against Nashville right away. I think they'll save him for at home against the lightning, but I Darcy Kemper is back to being Darcy Kemper. He had a couple rough games, but he is back to really good Darcy Kemper. Well, we'll see if anybody starts in Nashville. I mean, that's a, that's a whole other conversation that we'll get to later as they deal with their COVID issues along with the rest of the league. I'll be, well, I'll be shocked <laughs> if we have a game on Thursday against the Predators. Yeah. But yeah, Kemper's save percentage over the last couple of games. Uh, so the first game against the Rangers, his return, 897. That was, they got a late one there. That one still, it doesn't feel like an 897. No. Then against Detroit, 925. Florida, 935. And this game against the Rangers, 929. So even, even with that just pretty bad goal that he gave up towards the end, he was excellent for pretty much the rest of the night. The only other Rangers goal was by complete accident. Ryan so did not mean to put that puck in the net. It was a lucky goal. It was a very, very lucky goal. Um, I mean, good, good pass from Adam Fox, but Ryan Strom hit it wrong and then hit it wrong again. And in this case, two wrongs made a right and it ended up in the net. Yeah, it makes no sense. total luck. Makes no sense. But the abs win, I'd say for me, my favorite player to watch last night, Valerian Nachushkin again. Like Valerian Nachushkin, uh, I think we all had our doubts about uh, Nachushkin coming into the year. Can he play a top six role? Um, he's not only doing it, he's doing it very successfully. Like he has proven that he is a top six forward for the abs two goals last night. Um, he's one goal away from last year. Yeah. He's one goal away. Like he is playing at an insane level and he was even, I I don't even think he was that great last night because he had a couple turnovers, which are very unbow like, but he had a couple turnovers and, um, but he still ended up with two goals and that breakaway goal that won the game for him. That was a pretty fucking goal. Like, uh, that's what I was saying. I was, I, I did not, I did not think that Nachushkin had those type of moves in him. No, not, I mean, we've, we've come into the season saying stone hands Val and he has completely flipped that on his head. He's turned, he's turned his hands of stone into hands of clay at that breakaway goal at the very end, like with the, with the goalie still in the goal was beautiful. It was a hilarious mishap by Adam Fox both to flip that puck out of play and to totally flub the puck on the ensuing faceoff. But Val took full advantage of it to ice that game. It's he's been a revelation. We came into the season and early in the season when he was out talking about okay, well we're gonna need a another top six four with that hole on the second line. 
you you and I were talking about this off air. I don't think we do. No. If Val's playing like that, I don't I'm not comfortable giving up any of our big assets to go get someone else when he can go do that and everything else that he's capable of with on defense and finding that scoring touch is first of all a boost but my god what is what can't this guy do right now you can't do anything wrong and i mean Nazem Kadri it was his it, we forgot to mention Nazem Kadri's first game back uh, missed two games i thought he ended up with a one point last night did he have two three i can't remember. i know we had he was in on all he, he was three. in on three of them jesus like th- that was the most nonchalant three point night from it too. Like oh, it yeah. wasn't. Like, I mean, it was it was two it wasn't secondary like, assists and then the primary on the 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 last Val one. But still, points yeah. are points. Points are po- three points, and Nazem Kadri is still in the top five in league scoring. So I am just really um, encouraged by the second line, and Berkey has been good on the first line. And I know we had given Berkey some shit in past episodes about him playing on the top line. The past two games on the top line, he's been really good. Yeah, Berkey's been absolutely outstanding. And he had his chances in this one. The 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 accuracy wasn't there in this game. It shows in the, the stat line he had one shot on goal, which does not tell the story. He had at least like five good scoring chances that they rolled on him or he just missed on. But he still looks real good. Yeah, he's been playing really good. Like the second line has been really fucking good. And I, I know we had talked with Drew a couple episodes ago about how we need that top six forward. I really don't think they're going to make that move. I really don't. I, I think I, they're going to stand pat with the forward group they have right now because you get Landy back. And uh, who else were you missing in the forward group? Missing Landy? Missing Landy. And we got Comfort back. We got Kadri back. Got Kadri back. Yeah, I'm trying to think who else. I, there, it, it, it's someone, right? Has yeah, we're missing someone because that's no, why we're not. Oh, oh. The only other guy other than Murray on the injury list is Steph Amato, who does not count. Yeah. Like, I don't know, man. Like, this forward group's really good. And the thing we haven't even talked about yet, which is a big-time bummer, I was concerned about this, was Devontae's got added to the COVID list early uh, Tuesday morning. And I was, for one, very concerned with our defenseman last night. That was one of the better, like we were talking about, one of the better defensive games the Avs have played all year. Yeah, systematically one of the strongest games they've played defensively without arguably one of their best defensemen. I mean, Taze is arguably number one with how well he's played. Yeah. And it, it sucks because it's not just going to be this game. Taze is going to be out until Christmas because he is symptomatic and going to miss at least two weeks, which absolutely sucks. Yeah, it sucks. But I was, I for one, I, I know you probably had that panic too. When you have Jack Johnson as your number four defenseman um, and Curtis McDermott, even though, hey, I, I'm going to say it, I'm the number one Curtis McDermott fan out there, I was concerned uh, because that is – you're missing Byram, you're missing uh, Taves. That's two of your top four defensemen. So I, for one, was very concerned, and they shoved it in my face hard. Oh, yeah. I mean, Curtis McDermott especially has been the whipping boy so far this season. This was his best game. Absolutely his best game. He was not bad, even offensively. He played pretty solid defensively. And he beat up Ryan Reeves, which to me is worth any draft pick. Yeah, he, that was a really good fight. That was, I remember good, that was a good heavyweight. Too. I, say, I say he beat him up like it was one-sided. They were going back and forth. McDermott was just the guy that landed the last two and took him down. Yeah. That was a it, good fight. It was a really good fight, and... I don't know, like Curtis McDermott, like these past couple games, he hasn't been bad. He hasn't done anything where I'm like, yo, fuck this guy. He's he actually had a couple scoring chances last night. He drew a penalty, man. (laughs) Curtis McDermott drew a penalty last night. One my favorite thing is Curtis McDermott's scoring chances because, you know, you know, he's not going to score because the guy cannot shoot. But it's very funny to think, well, crazier things have happened. I mean, he's he's got it alone on the wing. It's just him and the goalie surely he'll get it on net right eh, no, no but it's, it's very it, that those two seconds are my favorite things they're so funny i it's the worst shot i've ever seen i was cheering so hard for him to score i've been doing it the past couple games um because i i just want to see the guy score because i think it'd be the most the funniest goal of the year 
it's going to be the funniest goal of the year, and I'm going to lose my shit when it I happens. mean, the, the Jack Johnson goal is hard to top. The, oh, the, the Jack Johnson The very first goal of the season. He hasn't scored since then. Is a Jack Johnson break. I don't think we've made enough about that, that the first goal of the season was Jack Johnson's only goal on a breakaway that he roofed on the backhand. Curtis McDermott, he's going to have to do something crazy to top that one. If it's just like a shot that just like ricochets off people and goes in, it would be second for sure. But Jack Johnson, that's a, come on. That's a, that's so perfect. And even Jack Johnson last night, he was pretty good too. Like, I think that game was personal for him against the Rangers. No, I completely agree, but he was pretty good. Eric Johnson has just continues to be rock solid. Kale McCarr had a goal because that's just what Kale McCarr does. Um, already tying his uh, career high in goals. Or did he break his career high? I can't remember. I think he broke it. Yeah, his career high and we're 26 games into the season. So He's 23 into the season because he missed yeah. a few. He's 23. I think there's a chance he gets to 30. I really do. I Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a chance he gets to 30. I think he's an underrated player for the Rocket Richard at this race. <laughs> That'd be pretty wild if he got it. <laughs> My God, he's at... He's 13 and 13. He's got 26 points in 57 games. His, his rookie year, he had 12 goals, 50 points. That's real good. Last year in 44, he had eight. That's pretty good. This year in 23, he has 13. Yeah. I mean, if you told me that he would have 10 more goals than Nathan McKinnon at this point, I know McKinnon's been injured, but for McCarr at any point to have 10 more goals than Nathan McKinnon is crazy. It is pretty crazy, but even with McKinnon, not scoring goals, he has an eight game point streak right now. He has the quiet. He is. He does this all the time. He has the quietest point streaks in the NHL where people are like, Oh, McKinnon, he's not scoring. I guess he's not doing that good yet. Tell that to two points, one point, three point, one point, one goal, one goal, two assists, two assists. Yeah. Underperforming my ass. This guy's on fire. That play he made to set up Miko on the first goal was was so beautiful. Okay. And it looked like it, it looked like a video game play because he just, so perfect. And the thing is, like, they were talking like, oh, he's not scoring. His shooting percentage is 4.7. That is unsustainable. He's had at least five shots in the last six games. It's, he's, he's going to start scoring. Yeah. Like, he's, he might not hit 30, but he also might hit 30 in, like, two weeks. He really once, could. Yeah. Because once those floodgates open, I mean, he had plenty of chances last night. I mean – he was really good. I mean, the top line was really good. I thought Miko had another really good game. Um, it was just another really solid game by the Avalanche. And we were talking about this off air, 12-2-1 in their past 15 games. I think it's more than that at this point, isn't it? Isn't it four, isn't it 14-2-1 since Columbus? I think you're right. Talk and I'll count that up in my head real quick. Yeah, like this team a month ago, we're talking about how – or even the beginning of November with those back-to-back losses to Columbus – this team was struggling just to make it in the wild card. They now have closed the gap. They are three points behind the wild with two games in hand. And the wild, I think are one of the best teams in the NHL for now, and for now, but miraculously the gap is closed and the abs are just continue to chug along. Yeah. They are 13, two and one since those back-to-back losses against Columbus and their losses have been pretty fluky since then. I mean, the, the, the Dallas one, they just they straight up got beaten. They just weren't there for that game. But the Toronto one, you're telling me they're going to lose 8-3 to three of the Leafs next time they play them? Absolutely not. And the Ottawa game, we don't even have to start on just how much of a fluke that was. Yeah. Although so, Ottawa, man, Ottawa now, three wins against the Avs, the Tampa Bay <laughs> Lightning, and the Florida Panthers. So maybe, maybe the Senators. I don't good. think we could just brush past their, their last two games against the, the Florida teams. They beat Tampa four to nothing, and they beat Florida eight to two. In Florida. In Florida. Was it in, it was in Florida? Oh, my God. That's, their, that's Florida's only, like, second regulation loss at home, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it's crazy. Like the, the Senators are playing good hockey, which is crazy to say, but they are playing good hockey. But like this, it's the quietest run. I feel like and no one's talking about the abs. I feel like, yeah, I feel like people kind of made up their minds about us early in the season. Like, oh, they're the, they're too soft, still going to lose in the, the second round and everything. Since we've been like four five and one, like we were saying, we're, we haven't lost games. We lost to Dallas, Toronto and Ottawa. And that's been it. 
we've quietly again rattled off four straight win or five straight wins and two of those are against the rangers and one was against the panthers and the other two are against philly and detroit which aren't teams to sneeze at yeah i mean philly's won three of their past four yeah well i think we're their last loss aren't we yeah yeah and then fucking uh detroit isn't terrible this year i think they're going to be another team that's going to end up with like 70 points but they're not the detroit from they'll, a probably years be, they'll probably be at least like 85 yeah like detroit's not bad so yeah, i'm really decent. i'm i've been really impressed and i i i feel like it's just so quiet because they've won these games in so many like they've won the blowout games they've won the close games recently and it just seems like any play style the abs play right now, if it's a speed game, we're going to win that game. If it's a physical game, people underestimate how physical we are. Um, and we can win those games. And if it's a defensive grinded out, Darcy Kemper's shown that he can make some big saves and the abs can win those games too. Like they're clicking on all cylinders right now. Yeah. That's the thing. Like this team doesn't have like many discernible weaknesses. Like, like you were saying, we're one of the fastest teams in the league. And physicality-wise, we have very physical players. I mean, our top line alone is vicious. I mean, Ranton and people look at that as like the, the softest guy on the line. He's a vicious dude. I mean, after the, the Florida game, he was going after people after the game and trying yeah. to fight them because he was mad at them and didn't want to let any of that go. Like, this team is not a bunch of punks. I mean, top line alone, Landeskog, McKinnon, Ranton, all people who will stand up for themselves. Curtis McDermott just beat the the oh-so-fearsome Ryan Reeves in a fight, like one-on-one, no bullshit. Like this Kale is, McCarr's not afraid to lay a hit either. Yeah, Kale McCarr's not afraid of anything. Sam Girard's people want to trash on him, had a huge hit against the Florida Panthers that helped turn the momentum in that game. This team is not soft. That is a narrative that comes from people that do not watch this team, that watched them play against Vegas last year and had a bad series. Even I wouldn't even say we were soft against Vegas. I would just say we didn't perform well. I wouldn't we call that into soft. Vegas. We played into Vegas's hand. Yeah, we, we played didn't. exactly the game Vegas wanted us to play. The thing is, is I would classify that kind of play as not soft because we're getting away from what makes us the avalanche in that series, and we played the way Vegas wanted us to, which is exactly. kind of like them. It, it, it just uh, it. I don't understand where the narrative comes from. You just see a team losing the playoffs, and like, oh well, they're soft. That's why. Just hockey analysis sometimes. I don't, I don't know how to describe it. It just, it's so simple and it gets passed down. Just it, it the simple analysis that goes on air gets passed down to people that don't watch the games and they, they don't understand teams. And I'm sure we're guilty of this to a certain extent with other teams, but people don't get this team. They don't get it. Well, they just don't get it because they don't think a team should be able to score average almost five goals a game and be that physical too. Like they just, they don't see that. They just see them as I think they kind of see us a little bit as the Oilers because the Oilers are a high flying offense, but our defense is when it's on, like it was in these past two games against Florida and um, New York, it's one of the best defenses in the league too. And the thing is like the, the only time I see people like on these aggregator accounts, like talking about the avalanche, like these, these random accounts that have tons of followers is I remember specifically our seven to five win against the centers where Kemper just played like shit. And we're like, Oh man, the avalanche, they need to solve that goaltending problem. Kemper's not doing it for him. When Kemper up to that point was perfectly fine and had a bad game in this one. That was he like had a bad couple of games. He had a, he had a bad, bad couple of games. games, but even then that was the start of it. And then again, against like Ottawa again, and Philly, where we were just letting in tons of goals, people were like, oh, well, they didn't go out and get goalies. They still need to solve the goaltending problem. Like, that's not what's going on here. That's just that's just straight up not true. And like, oh, they, they let a Vesna caliber goalie walk. I'm sorry, have you paid any attention to Seattle? I was, I mean, it seems like kind of the right call at this Colorado, point. Colorado, I think Gruby would be fine if he would have stayed with the Avs because the Avs defense structure is better, I think, than, um, than Seattle's. But I, I, I really just – I don't see a weakness in this team right now. I, I would love to see an addition of a depth defenseman. But forwards-wise, this team is loaded, man. And every player is having a career year. Other than yeah. McKinnon, like every depth – like Logan O'Connor is having a career year. 
Nazem Kadri's having a career year. Berkey is on pace for a career year. Nachushkin's on pace for a career year. Like you're just, you're talking about your top six forwards. All of them are like three of the six of them are having career years. Yeah. And JT Comfort as well. Yeah. Like I forgot about JT Comfort. Like yeah. this team is fine forward wise. I'd love to see an addition of a depth defenseman because from what we've seen from the avalanche so far, the defensemen have been kind of in and out of the lineup. Uh, I, like I talked about and what we talked about, Jack Johnson as a top four defenseman is just not sustainable. Um, so we would love to, I would love to see an addition of a depth defenseman, but we were talking about this off air. I don't think there's a lot of teams that are going to be selling. I don't think, I think the trade deadline is going to be boring this year. Oh yeah. The trade deadline this year is going to be absolutely horrible. I mean, who's the biggest name on the market? Thomas hurdle. If he's even on the market. Yeah. Like, like that's, that's the thing. Like, you look at upcoming free agents and you see all the big names. A lot of them are on good teams who are not selling. Like Eichel's already traded. That was like the big piece already this season. And like the, like the other big name I've seen is Ben Sherratt. Like that's, that's, not a, that's not a big name. People are like, oh, he's going to go for a first round pick. First of all, that's fucking crazy. Second of all, is there no one else to talk about? I don't think so, man. I really just, it's going to be a quiet deadline and Luckily for the abs, they aren't really in need of anything right now because I was really impressed with the way Justin Barron played last night. I don't think they're going to burn a year off his ELC. I really don't. I think he's going to be here for seven games max, and then he's going back down to Colorado. They're not going to burn an entry a year off his entry level deal. Um, So you're left with Curtis McDermott, Jack Johnson, Ryan Murray, who was skating today. Um, I would just like to see an addition of a depth defenseman. I, uh, that's pretty much all we can really see from the abs that I think we're going to see. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, there's the options really just aren't out there. And you also, you even have to be careful with that. Cause you don't want to have another Patrick Nemeth situation like he did last year in the playoffs, but I don't know. I'm pretty comfortable with this team right now. Even if they do nothing, I feel like I'm comfortable enough with this team that we can get the job done. And I know that's a dramatic 180 from my attitude earlier in the season, but I'd like another depth defenseman. Like you were saying, I don't want Jack Johnson in the top four, but like we have to keep in mind that's with Taze, Byram and Murray all out of the lineup. Like you're missing, you're missing half your defense core. And hopefully in the playoffs, that's not the case. If it does, what are you really supposed to do at that point? Other than you, trade for someone else like we're saying and hope they plug in better there i, I don't like the idea of jack johnson and curse mcdermott playing at the same time but they were fine the other night they're fine options I, I just i think we both agree it's not sustainable no it's not so in, in the playoffs that will get exposed absolutely yeah, 100%. If, if you have any weakness in the playoffs it will get exposed yeah but the goaltender i really don't think is gonna be a problem i'm really excited to see how frankie plays really really excited to get him back because if we can keep Darcy a little bit well-rested for the playoffs, because I think Gruby got a little burnt out last year. Yeah. I think he was we, tired. We, we played him to a crisp. Yeah. Like, and he was fantastic last year. And it's not like he was the reason in the playoffs, but game six, that goal, was it Petrangelo? That was I one of the worst goals. I think goals it was I've Nick Holden even. Yeah. It was the, it's the worst goal I think I've ever seen. Yeah. It was just a trickler from the point, And that was the series. We yeah. got the early goal in Vegas and that shitter just goes in. Yeah, it changed it was, the entire thing. Yeah, it was it was a you cannot burn Kemper out. So I'm excited to see Frankie. Hopefully he comes back. We didn't talk about this either. Jojo got claimed by Florida. Oh my god. Yeah. Blows. Dude, I totally forgot that even happened. The, yeah. the last 48 hours have been so crazy. They really have, but yeah, we lost Jojo, which I I, I don't know why. I mean, maybe the Panthers saw what Spencer Knight did. They had a premonition that Spencer Knight was going to suck last night. But, yeah, losing JoJo sucks because now we're down to if Frankie or Kemper gets hurt. Well, we got used to, yeah, it's Onanen because it's Onanen and Miska right now for the Eagles. So um, let's just pray to the gods everyone stays healthy because I think Onanen's going to be good. It's just he's 20 Not years old. Yet. Not yet. Yeah. So – Losing JoJo is a real pain in the ass because say what you want about JoJo. He was a serviceable third string goalie. Yeah, absolutely. He held the fort as a third string goalie. You don't want your third string goalie playing more than five games a year. 
But, you know, and even then, losing him sucks. I know he's had a, a bad run of it as of late, but you, you lose that, that goaltending depth that you just need in case injuries happen. And why I don't understand why Florida claimed him. I don't either. I, I, the only reason I come up with is that they're being petty. Because aren't they last in the waiver order? Did JoJo not make it through the entire waiver order, only get yeah. claimed by the last team? That feels petty just for oh. the way that game against Florida ended for us. Does that not feel like they're kind of giving us the middle finger? Oh, they 100% are. But I, I don't know, man. That that's It's really in, it's going to be interesting to see what – because maybe now you talk about getting another third-string goalie. Yeah, and like how many years are we going to talk about this getting another third string goalie? I mean, we did it with Michael Hutchinson. We did it with JoJo last year and with Devin Dubnik. Like, it's annoying. It's very annoying, but I, I'm, I'm happy for JoJo because I, I hope he does get to play in Florida. I don't think he will, but I, I will. I think we're going to get him back, honestly. You think so? Yeah. I mean, Florida doesn't have any need for him. Unless they're planning on spending Spencer Knight down, then I really don't see why they would do this. Like they might use JoJo once and they'd have to put him on waivers to send him down. So That'd be I, I, I see him coming back in the future. Yeah, hopefully. Because I thought he, he had his moments where he was bad, but he also has moments where he was really good. So I just... I, I don't know what's going to happen, but that sucks. I kind of forgot about two until we started talking about goalies. Um, but yeah, I mean, just to put a bow on that Rangers game, I, I'm really, I have no bad things to say about the abs. No bad things at all. Like it was just a fantastic game of hockey for the abs. Yeah. Like my only thing was like, they, they let them pack in late, but that's nitpicky. A bad goal from Kemper. Kadri got too cute on the, the empty net. And it got real close to getting tied there for a second, but I appreciate Val playing as well as he is right now, putting that game away with the goalie still in net. I feel like that can't be overlooked. Yeah, it was a great game. And uh, we're going to say something here a little bit uh, controversial. Um, so if you're a New York Rangers fan, please just uh, cover your ears. Kale McCarr is significantly better than Adam Fox. Yeah, he's clear of him. He's much better. And I, I, I know Rangers fans don't like to hear that, but Rangers fans don't like to hear anything that's contradictory to their team. The only reason Fox won the Norris last year was because of factors outside of his control with McCarr missing 13 games, which is not all that much. Not to say Fox is bad. No. But if McCarr plays that entire season, he wins the Norris in a walk. So I feel like that argument's kind of... He still almost did win it. Even he still almost did win it, missing all of those games. Yeah. So... It, it, I don't think it's a controversial take. I think it's one that most hockey fans would agree with, but just in their two matchups, Kale McCarr has dominated both games. He's made way more impactful plays for his team. Yeah. And like I said earlier in the episode, uh, Adam Fox kind of blew that game for the Rangers, sending that puck all the way down the ice and out of play with 30 seconds left for a faceoff in center ice, which led to the goal against after Fox flubbed the defensive play. So two straight mistakes for him led to that game getting put away. And you would never see Kale McCarr making a mistake like that. Just saying. Yeah, never. I mean, the one mistake I see for Kale McCarr is that one in the playoffs in the bubble against uh, Dallas. That's like the only mistake I remember Kale McCarr making. Was it against Arizona? I can't remember who it was. I think it was was game three against Arizona. It was an empty netter when we were down by one and we won that series in five. So who cares? Yeah. So, Rangers fans, I, I doubt there's very many of you listening to this, but just it's okay to admit it. Like, Kale McCarr is better than Adam Fox. Yeah. So that, that's I, my I, final like, statement. I, that game. Like, I'd love to have like more of a nuanced conversation about it, but it really is just that simple. Yeah. He's like, better than Adam him. Fox is still a top five defenseman in this league, but he's yeah. not Kale McCarr. It's not an insult to say he's not as good as Kale McCarr. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that's in fact a compliment. Yeah. Like, no he, one is. Top as five. Good as Kale no one's as good as Kale McCarr. Yeah. The fact that you're even being compared to him is a compliment. Yeah. He's top five, but he is Feel not grateful. <laughs> Be grateful like Thanos. What is it that Thanos says? Uh, fuck. Oh, I can't remember, but I was thinking Avengers. But yeah, like for my my top five defense in the league, I think it's Kale McCarr one, Victor Hedman two. Oh, man, that's tough. I'd probably put Fox at three. Yeah. I'd still keep. Roman Yossi, because I think he's really good at four. 
And then five. Oh, that's tough. Um, that's, that's a matter of opinion. Yeah. It, it probably changes by the week. Yeah. Change by the week. But Kale McCarr is the only argument I see a player who's close to Kale McCarr is Victor Hedman. I think he's the only defenseman who's close to Kale McCarr. And Victor Hedman just has the resume at this yeah. point in his career. And Victor Hedman's Victor Hedman. Like yeah, Victor Hedman's he, Victor Hedman. He's going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So that, to me, it's not a bad list to be on that you're top five. So yeah. not trying to be controversial, but yeah. It's not why. controversial. It's yeah. just what it is. It's a fact. Hey, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor, Draft Kings Sportsbook. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with this latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner if just a single point is scored in the game of your choosing. That's right. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score, period, that's it, just to score, can win $100 in free bets. It really is just that simple. And if DraftKings Sportsbook is not yet available in your states, you can still get in on the NFL action every week with huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. And that's not all, because DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with just their first deposit. All you got to do is put a little bit of money in the account, and you have a free shot at millions of dollars. That's all you have to do. So to get in on the action, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $1 on any team to score, and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit, and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, back to the episode. Did we, uh, did we want to rip the Band-Aid off about COVID now? Uh, well, we can wrap up on the Rangers game by talking about the, the goalie interference. Oh, yeah, we forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, the, the phantom the, goalie interference. The phantom goalie interference with JT Comfer scoring a goal to put the avalanche up four to one. And he cuts through the crease, but gets out of the crease. And then there's a slight tap to Georgiev's head. Then the first shot comes through. Then Comfer puts in the rebound where Georgiev had plenty of time to recover from the ever so slight contact. And even the broadcast, which was very Rangers-centric last night, not even saying like they hated the Avalanche, but they just kept talking about the Rangers even when the Avalanche were winning. Even they were like, yeah, I really don't see much here. The only There's... one who said it was was Brian Boucher. Yeah. Everyone he's, else, he's even, the rules, even the rules analyst was like, yeah, that, I don't think that was a goal. Like, I, I don't think that was goaltender interference. I think you're grasping at straws. So yeah. I'm fine. If you want to call that goaltender interference, just call it that way for the rest of the year. But they won't because goal interference is made up. It's not a rule. It doesn't make any sense. It changes on a case-by-case basis. This is what happens when you don't have a clear, defined rule. You need a, a clearly defined rule for this stuff, or otherwise it's just up for interpretation. Every single scenario where the refs see it differently, the situation room sees it differently, every team's situation room sees it differently, like it, it doesn't make any sense. That is not goalie interference. He didn't interfere with them. Yeah, no, he didn't. He didn't. He barely nicked him and he's outside the crease. Like, what is he supposed to do? Yeah, he's like, in the crease for a second and his butt's in the crease. And Georgiev comes into him and then like throws his head back. Yeah, he sold it. He, definitely sold, he it. definitely sold it. Even then, that puck comes through. He has plenty of time to recover. Like, I just, it's like one of the first conversations we had on this season of the show is like, just give me some consistency. If that's goalie interference, like you said, that's fine. Call it that way for the rest of the season. But when the tables are turned and the avalanche are on the other end of this, I want that to be the same. But it's not going to be. No. They'll call that a goal every time. Yeah. And I I don't know. It was it, watching in the arena. I think everyone was just shocked at how they called that goaltender interference. 
Yeah. And right? it, it could have changed that frustrated me too. They gave Gerard Gallant like 45 seconds to decide if he wanted to. I thought they were dropping the puck, but they gave him so much time to review that. And the thing is, Gerard Gallant challenged that on a Hail Mary. It is a, it's a he four didn't to, challenge it's a, it. Yeah, it's a four to one game at that point if he gets it wrong and putting Colorado on the power play. You're doing that because there's a chance. Because with goalie interference, you just never know. That's the only reason he challenged it. And he was right. It's a coin flip. You're betting on a 50 50. Well, even Bednar said after the game, he was like, I wish I had that long to decide if I was going to challenge a play or not. I was shocked that Bednar actually called something dumb. He never does that. Post-game. Even Kale McCarr, Kale McCarr, who never speaks up about it, said it was, said it was, it's setting a dangerous precedent. Yeah. I, so, if, that, if that's goalie interference, fine, but make it actually that way. Cause it's will. not, cause that's, I'm sure there's going to be a game over the next week or so where we're going to see something like that again. And it's not going to be goalie interference. And it's going to be called a goal within 30 seconds. But the rules change in every game. It's maddening. And we, when we get to the playoffs, this is going to become a problem again because the league doesn't know its own rules. Nope. So I, I still I, – I had forgotten about that. But, I mean, even like some like unbiased Avs fans, like even they were like, yeah, that's a bad call. Like I follow a couple on Twitter and they aren't as biased as I am because obviously I didn't think it was goaltender interference. But – even they were kind of like, yeah, that's a bad call. I, I didn't think the refs were particularly good last night at all. No, like definitely, I rewatched. We definitely rewatched got some game. calls in our favor last night too. I, oh, yeah. I will say that absolutely. But like when it comes to reviewing goals, we need to work on that stuff. Like yeah. this is not okay. Yeah, we definitely need to work on it. And it's, it's just, uh, uh, I'm cool. If you want to call that goal to interference, like I said, just call it like that the rest of the year, but they won't. I'm sure there'll be cool. a, there'll be a moment in the games tonight that we're watching that it'll happen and it'll be a goal. Yeah. It's, so, it's just completely made up. Like what, what other sport do we just have rules that are just made up? Baseball. Or, yeah. <laughs> well, baseball. Yeah. Baseball is, a, is its own different animal where that the, the officials can literally make up the strike zone as they go. It can yeah. change pitch by pitch baseball. It can change is just, umpire by umpire. <laughs> yeah. Like fundamentally. Yeah. They make up the rules, but with this stuff, like you got to have, like, if there's, if you had a rule that says any contact with a goalie within three seconds of the puck going in will be overturned, that's fine. But you got to have a rule here. You can't just be like goalie interference, uh, figure it out from there every single time. It's like you can't keep running a league this way. No. So, yeah, it was, it was an irritating goal for sure. But I mean, we still won. Like if we would have yeah. lost, I would have been a lot more pissed about it. Oh yeah. I mean, when the Rangers made it th- three to two, I was like, it's, it's going to come back to us and it's going to be annoying. And then I'm going to yell about it on the show tomorrow. Luckily we won the game. I'm still annoyed about it, but not nearly as annoyed as I would have been. Oh, I would have been irate. I would. That's, that's just an objectively bad call. And yeah. we're going to get to the playoffs and there's like, there's at least three scenarios every playoff where there's something that screws over a team. Yeah. Like in a crucial game and it's a talking point and people are like, we have to fix officiating and then it never gets fixed. No. Like the thing about this year, like, Oh, they're, they're cracking down on cross-checking bullshit. They're cracking down on cross-checking. Yeah. I mean, that one on Berkey was, I think one of the softest. That's not a cross-check. Yeah. But like the thing is they are... call that, they call that, but then they let all the other egregious shit go again. Yeah. It's made up. It's completely up to interpretation. Every time. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like there's no way fans, but it's a, it's completely random. So yeah. Officiating is something, if you haven't noticed, we're going to probably going to end up talking about it every episode because there is going to be something sucks. stupid that happens. Yeah. It's going to be something stupid that happens in the NHL and we're just going to have to deal with it. Yeah. I, I hate talking about officiating. And every time I do, there's always that voice in my mind being like, you're being a whiny baby. Shut up. You're being whiny. No one cares. I'm, not ma- I'm not making these topics come up. These are things we have to talk about because it's stuff that comes up every single game. Something just stupid happens. Yeah. Like we got to figure this out. And for Gary Bettman to just sit there and act like everything is fine is ridiculous. Yeah. Like this is a league mandated thing. They don't want officiating to be good for some reason. I just don't get it. Because it gives a, we're talking about it. So I think Bettman's like of the mentality where it's like, any publicity is good publicity. <laughs> yeah, it's just like I challenge any of you to 
bring someone to watch a hockey game with you and explain to them what goalie interference is and have and have them not say i'm still confused after it because we're all still confused too none of us fucking know what's going on and we watch a lot of hockey (laughs) we watch a little bit of hockey i would say just a little just a little bit but yeah we can wrap up the rangers game there i i I just want to know the rules that's it yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to rip officiating. I just want to know what the rules are so I can even know if they're doing a bad job or not. Cause we have no idea if they're yeah. even doing the right thing or not. We don't know what the rules are. We don't, we don't. It's as simple as that. <laughs> oh man. It's so, just the league is a mess and it's not getting any better. And speaking of smooth transitions, transitioning to COVID it's not getting any better because the last 48 hours have been a disaster in the NHL. And this applies to the avalanche because the predators had six players go into COVID protocol and six coaches, I believe, or six staff members go into protocol. And as of right now, as we're recording this, we're still playing them on Thursday. Um, I would be shocked if that's the case, because that's just simply not fair for them. Well, it's not fair, but I I think we talked about this off air. Here's what's going to happen. The, Avs flew out there today in terrible conditions because it's there's been like gale force winds in Denver all day. Like it's been bad. Um, they flew out there because the game was supposedly going to happen because the Predators didn't put anyone else on there. I can guarantee you that tomorrow morning we're going to wake up and there's going to be two more players that they have to add and it's going to be postponed. Yeah. So the Avs put their whole team together on a small metal tube, flew halfway across the country just to do nothing. Like that's what's going to happen. We yeah. both know it. Like, there's no if ands or buts about. It. Like, six players is not just a small amount. Like, you are you're having an outbreak. You're having yeah, you're having an outbreak. And as we saw with other teams like Calgary and Vancouver to an extent, like these don't these aren't just one off things where one day you have six people test positive and then nothing else happens. These come up for the next two days. This game is not happening tomorrow. Well, it, it, I'm telling you, it's going to happen. We're going to wake up tomorrow. The Avs will go to morning skate. They'll morning skate. They'll Announce the lineup and I mean, then they, they can't wait that long, can they? I think I think it's gonna happen at like eleven AM mountain time. That oh, That's what I think. Because I, I just know that's gonna happen. Like there's just no way it's not going to happen. Like if they play this game, I will be shocked. I think it's probably ninety percent they don't, ten percent they do. I mean, like right now the NHL is just like it's almost in like a state of crisis right now with everything that's happened with COVID between Nashville and Calgary. I mean, who are some of the other teams that have gotten crushed by it recently? Carolina got hit with it. Yeah, Carolina, they had to postpone one. In Canada or in Toronto and on in Ottawa, they're they're putting their their attendance back down to 50%. Like that's a huge bomb that came out today. It's huge. Like it's it's going to be an interesting next couple of months. Um, because it's not just the NHL, it's every professional sport league across oh, the world is having geez, COVID. Football outbreaks. is getting destroyed right now. What, what did yeah. you say when before we started? 94 or something? Yeah, 94 NFL players got put on the COVID list. Um, there was a report that came out. Playoffs. Yeah, there was a report that came out when uh, we were sitting here that apparently like, like 85% of them are all asymptomatic, so that's the good news. But, I mean, you're still you, – it's, it's just it, – COVID across the country is – wrecking people right now and it's yeah. it's rearing its ugly head again um and i i think we're both in agreement there's no chance in hell that the nhl shuts down again no that but, that is the absolute last option we have exhausted every single avenue we literally have no choice because half of our players on every team is in protocol that's when they'll shut down for like a week because yeah. like in your first year with ESPN with a new broadcast partner, there will have to be no other choice. We're like, we lit, we literally cannot play these games, but they're also going to have to give some concessions like COVID cap relief. Like the, the blues are a team that pushed for that in November, but with all the teams that have been unable to call players up because of all of a sudden, like, this guy's getting put on protocol, but we don't have the cap space because he, it doesn't do anything for us. They need to bring the taxi squad back. Yeah, they need to bring the taxi squad back. They brought back the old protocols today that are going to be in effect until January 7th, I believe they said. I think that's what they uh, said. The protocols from last season, which weren't 
100% effective, but they got the job done. I got guess. the job done. I, I think yeah. it's, it's a very simple, like it's not a simple fix because COVID's never going to go away. You need to give teams the option to have that taxi squad because it was what, four or five players on it? Yeah, it was enough to get by. Yeah. So if you had the taxi squad, the Predators would be fine. They, they'd only be missing one player. But you don't have the taxi squad and you're not giving anyone any cap relief. So teams have to do these gymnastics to get around the cap because there's very few teams who aren't at the cap level right now. Very few. And it's, it's making it impossible. I don't know what the NHL was thinking that COVID was just gone. Like it, it's never going to be gone. Like yeah, this is going to be a thing for the next couple of years. So yeah. like, I don't know what their thought process was, but if, if the NHL smart, which who knows, they bring uh, back. The taxi. I think, I think we've reached our conclusion on if the yeah. NHL is smart or not. The answer yeah. is resounding. No. Yeah. They bring back the taxi squad like yesterday. They should have brought it back day one. Yeah. I, 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 I never understood why they got rid of it for this season. Yeah, like, I never especially either. now, like last season was a modified bubble in a way. You only played seven other teams and you could only like go to your house and the arena and work out at the team gym. Even then you had to be masked and distance for everyone in the locker room. And they had the taxi squad then. But now when all that stuff is gone and you're at a greater chance right. to get COVID from other places, now they don't have it. It makes no Wouldn't sense. Wouldn't it make more sense to, you know, if they're going to have those protocols for this season to have the taxi squad still? Yeah, it would, especially because you're flying everywhere. You're not yeah, going you're to flying just everywhere. Sense. Like it just wouldn't it make more sense to carry an extra five or six bodies and don't let it be against the something cap. happens. Yeah. Don't let it be against cap. It's that simple. Like the um, DHL is just so fucking stubborn. Like they're so against money being on the outside of the system. Like we don't want to give teams free cap relief. Guys, we are in very extraordinary circumstances right now. You need to stop being a bunch of stuck up old men and be able to be flexible sometimes. We can't keep doing this. It's the same people who are bitching about like, oh, you can't give teams free cap relief, but we'll let the lightning be $10 million over the cap limit. With yeah. the playoffs if you're if you're out for more than two weeks, then then it doesn't count. But in the playoff, there is no salary cap. It's <laughs> like it's like we said, like integrity of the game. Integrity of the game doesn't fucking exist with, yeah. when it gets to the playoffs and everything between like, oh, you can put someone in LTIR and bring them back for the playoffs. Also, the rules change and no one knows what's going on. Yeah. So, yeah, COVID's reared its ugly head. And I think it, it brings up the discussion, which has already been going on. And I think we're both under the same assumption here, too. There is a. 0.1% chance that NHL players go to the Olympics this year. Yeah, I would say there is a 0% chance that the Olympics, as we picture them, are happening. They might happen, but like there's a real shot that like guys like Connor McDavid, Alex Petrangelo, like, you know, and we talked about Alex Ovechkin going to the Olympics or not. And you would think that, oh, of course, Ovi would go to the Olympics. He is one of the most diehard Russians we've ever seen. Like, if there is one player you can guarantee is going to the Olympics, it's Ovi. But we look at him now at 36 years old. He's got two kids and a wife, and he's trying to chase down Wayne Gretzky's record. He's also the MVP of the Capitals team, unequivocally. He's on pace for one of his best seasons ever. And let's just say worst case scenario happens. You know, Ovechkin has antibodies with COVID. He, he's on a little different scenario than everybody. But even just getting put in protocol means you're there in Beijing under the Chinese government, which right now is a controversial topic to say the least, for three to five weeks, you cannot leave until they tell you you can. And you are a foreign citizen stuck in a foreign country at that point. And that is not an easy place to put yourself in. So even a guy like Ovechkin has to think twice about this. Like, is this really worth it right now to right now at this point in the world with COVID and all the diplomatic crises that are happening with China. And also just with like, if you get COVID or even are in protocol five weeks, that is over a month. That's, yeah. that's straight up 35 days that you're stuck in quarantine in Beijing, watching your team. Like that, it's a, it's a disaster. I, I don't even know if a guy as hardcore as Ovi is towards the Olympics, even he has to be like, man, I don't know. Cause we also had McDavid being like, we'll see. 
Petrangelo, who's already on Team Canada, being like, yeah, I just don't know. And there was some, something on the Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman show today that there was some European agent being like, it would be fucking crazy for players to go to the Olympics right now. And that's a guy who represents the players. It would be like, it's just, I want to see Olympic hockey back to what it was. Cause there's nothing better than Olympic hockey. There's it's nothing. Amazing. It's, it's one of the purest forms of hockey and it is so great to watch. But if you ask me, would I rather watch the Olympics or would I rather finish the NHL season? I'd rather finish the NHL season, like with all the players here. So I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't think a player like McKinnon's going to go. I don't think Landeskog's going to go. Like Landeskog has two kids at home too now. Like I just don't think it's going to happen, man. Like you, you have to consider the risk that you might get through the whole Olympics and at the very end come down with going into protocol. And you have to be there in a foreign country for potentially 35 straight days watching your team on the other side of the country. If you're going to the Olympics, your team needs you, especially at that point in the season. We're talking about you might not be coming back until April or something like that. That would be agonizing. You have to consider that for your team. Like this isn't a normal Olympics. That's why it sucks they didn't go in 2018 because now you look at this one where it really just doesn't make any sense to go. No, it makes zero sense to go. It It's not... For the players, they just don't want to be stuck. I don't blame them. I wouldn't want to be stuck in Beijing for five weeks. It's not like they're going to give you a prime suite. Like you're especially right now. Yeah. Like if this if this wasn't taking place in China, I feel like this conversation would be similar, but still maybe a little easier. But it's just a, a perfect storm of like, yeah, I don't really know if this is a good idea right now. No, it's not if the if the Olympics were taking place in America, I think they would happen. I, th- like, I, think, I don't think there'd be, if they were taking place in, in like Portugal or something, like, I don't think there would be any problem. Yeah, there wouldn't be. A, it's just the fact that it's in Beijing, which is just such a, it's a different world over there. So, if, and especially now with everything that's going on, like we're not going to turn into what's going on in China podcast, but yeah. if you're paying any attention to the news, it's not good. It's, it's not a, good. So I, I don't know, man. I, I just doesn't make sense. And if they don't go, the season's kind of lined up perfect because you have those three weeks off. So all these postponed games, three free weeks right there to reschedule all of them. Mm-hmm. And at the pace the NHL is going right now, I would say there'll probably be 15 to 20 of them. I, I would guess. That's probably a little bit on the high end of games yeah. postponed. Yeah. But you have three weeks right there. And then those teams that are lucky and have had no games postponed – they get a couple weeks off and I don't know why the NHL doesn't do this to begin with, because it would make sense to just give your teams a break near the end of the season. And then they come back healthy. But I, I think if you don't go, you kind of have those three weeks where you can make up all of these games. Yeah. And the, the thing is, is like a lot of arenas have already booked to like concerts and stuff like that during that three week span. So it's going to be a challenge even in that to fit those games in there. But I was also thinking about that earlier today. Like, why don't we just have like a two to three week break after the all-star game, just to let everyone like get healthy and let every team just go at it late in the season. Wouldn't that just make it more fun? I think two to three weeks is a little bit long. I think a week. Yeah. Like a week or two, three weeks is too much. Yeah. I think like a week and a half would be good. Like you play the all-star game on Sunday and you don't play games until Wednesday after. Yeah. Like you get the rest of that week off that Sunday to Saturday and you come back to practice Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I think that'd be great. I mean, the NBA does it. MLB does it now. The NFL, they have two by or no one by week. So you, you get teams, their bye weeks and they sit out for a week. I, I think it's, it's smart because it lets teams get healthy, but yeah, the NHL is just, I wonder if that's something to do with ESPN and TNT with the broadcast rights. Yeah. Well, the thing, with, the thing with the all-star game is like, I don't even think they wanted to have one this year, but ESPN like demanded it. Yeah. It's stupid to have an all-star game. Yeah, it, it especially makes no sense considering that if, if the Olympics do happen, you will be going to Las Vegas for the All-Star game. Las Vegas, which is a very social place, you know. Light way of putting it, Griffin. Yeah, very social place to put it extraordinarily mildly. And then they are literally going to get on a plane and fly to Beijing from there. 
So you might be going to Beijing and not play at all because you might be put in protocol because you were just in Vegas. I have no idea. It makes no sense. The the whole, I I want Olympic hockey so bad and it just pisses me off that we didn't go in 2018 because that was the perfect time to go. 2018 Um, would have been such a great Olympics. A young McDavid and Matthews and McKinnon even like it would have been been such a good Olympics. Could you imagine because they were, I don't know. You could have had Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe in their final Olympics. Like that would have been awesome. Um, I don't know. It's sad, but I think for the growth of not the growth of the game, but the continuation of the NHL as we know it, there's no way they can go. There's just no way. Yeah. Like, like you said, that's why it sucked. They couldn't go in 2018. They loved such an opportunity. Because now we're looking at like 2014 was the last time anyone went to the Olympics in the NHL. We're potentially looking at 12 years between the NHL participating in the Olympics. Like that's horrible. It's not good for the game. Yeah, it, it actively stunts the game's growth that the casual fan. This is the one time hockey gets its moment to shine. Hockey is like the main attraction at the at the Winter Olympics. You know, there's there's snowboarding and skiing and all that kind of stuff but like those are like fun little things hockey takes center stage at the olympics every time tj oshi became a household name for two weeks because he won a shootout against russia that would never happen without the olympics i still remember where i was when crosby scored that game winning goal against team USA. that game was one of the best hockey games i've ever watched was that 2010 2010 in it was in canada was it vancouver yeah, it was in Vancouver. That was one of the greatest hockey games I think I was I've ever nine watched. Nine years old, and I remember watching that. Yeah, I remember vividly. It was it was Zach Parisi who scored in the last minute to tie it for. Yeah, he USA. scored in the last minute to tie it, and he had the Crosby overtime winner. Like that's one of the most iconic hockey games of all time. And Gary Bettman and Bill Daly in 2018 wanted to sit there and argue that it doesn't grow the game. Give me a fucking break. It makes no sense, man. It's but Gary Batman's not leaving. He's not going anywhere. He made no, he's that not going anywhere, as he says, like a comic book villain in his press conference. I, I hate that guy so much. I really am not a Gary Batman guy. But no. I, yeah, like, it's a bummer. I, yeah, with Gary Batman, I felt like I could tolerate him until this season. This has been just strikeout after strikeout for Gary Batman. You need fresh blood here. I don't know why the he takes the bullets for him. He takes the attention off the owners. Gary Bettman's job is to take the bullets for him, and he fucking does an outstanding job because he's sh- a shit person. He's not great. But. Yeah. All right. Do we want to? I don't have anything else. I mean, COVID sucks. Yeah, COVID sucks. Be, and be everything. safe. Enjoy life. Uh, be safe, and let's hopefully we can get through this again like we already did once. Yeah, and hopefully we have a game on Thursday against the Predators. I don't see how we have it, but the NHL they just don't seem to care. Sometimes uh, I know we promised to do our quarter season predictions. If I mean, do you want to do those today or do you want to save them for Sunday? Cause I, I think we're like an hour in at this point. Uh, I say we save it because me and you both have so many thoughts about the NHL. Yeah. I feel like that could take up like its own episode, especially if there's no game on Thursday. I mean, we'll still have the, the Tampa game to talk about, but still. Yeah, I agree. I, I think we save it. Um, there's some hot takes folks. So just be prepared for it. Yeah. I'll say it'd probably be better to do that leading into the Christmas break. Yeah, 100%. It would just so, it would thematically fit better, I would say. Real quick, if there is a game tomorrow, what do you think the score is? I think we're going to win that one. I mean, Nashville hasn't been bad lately. They're, I think, haven't they won like five in a row or something? Yeah, they're they're playing really well. But yeah. They're missing even, their, their wins are Montreal, Detroit, Islanders, Devils, and Rangers. Only the Rangers are a playoff team in there, and they won that game one to nothing. Yeah. So I'd say I'd say the Avalanche win that game five two, I'd say. Empty. I was netter. gonna say four one. I was gonna yeah. say four one. I think Darcy Kemper is due. I would I'd want to get Darcy Kemper a shutout so bad. He, I really do. I think it would be huge for him to finally get that that donut in a game. It would I feel like that he's still missing some confidence a little bit. And I feel like that last goal the Rangers scored didn't help him. If he can get that one, I feel like he can really turn a corner. Not that he's been bad, but like be an elite goalie elite i agree i agree so yeah i think darcy kemper has a big game if there is a game tomorrow um, it's a big if i mean we might i think we might I have think more positive if we cases. get to noon tomorrow and the game's still on i think it's happening but yeah 
I am going to say this uh, just real quick. My girlfriend's parents are in town tomorrow. Um, uh, the Avs are 0-8 when they are in town. So if the Avs do lose tomorrow, just don't blame the Avs. It's because my girlfriend's parents are here. Oh, boy. Here <laughs> they, we came go. For, they came for the Vegas series when we were up 2-0. Oh, they were here, wow. and we lost all four. Yeah. Well, it's also the I was moving during that time and uh, where I used to live, 2-0. Second I moved, 0-4. Yeah. So we didn't win a game when I was here until like November. Yeah. So if we, if we lose, just know you, you have an out, you have an out, just blame it on my girlfriend's parents for being here. Yeah. So it should be a fun one on the road in Nashville. And then we got the, the lightning, the, the game after that on Saturday, that's going to be a, another very fun one, probably another good litmus test for us. And after that, we've got Detroit, Buffalo and Boston before we head into the Christmas break should be a lot of fun. It should be a lot of fun. We have a live stream coming up for the Boston Bruins game, so make sure you check it out. We'll make sure to promote it before we uh, before we get there, but a lot of fun times, and hopefully the apps can keep rolling. Yep, and that'll be Thursday, next Thursday, the 23rd, and then we'll also have one Monday, the 27th, against the Golden Knights, which is the game so far this season. That's the that's the biggest game of the year so far. That's going to be awesome. Without hopefully question. Devon Caves is back by then. He should be, and so should Landis Cog. Yeah, so – I'm oh that game is going to be so much fun, man. It better be. Oh, I can't wait. But yes, that's that's all I got for this episode, man. It, it was another really good one, if I say so myself. Yeah, I'd say I agree. I got nothing else to add to this one. Another great win for the Avalanche over another really solid team in the Rangers. And they're they're looking like they're rounded in the form. They didn't score seven goals in the last two games, but I would say I'm more impressed with these two performances than I have been in any of the, the seven goal games. 100%. 100% agree. The defense has been fantastic these past couple of games, and that's that's how you win Stanley Cups because you're not going to score five goals in the playoffs. No, not at all. You need to win those games three to two, and you need to have your goaltender get some confidence, and you need to know as a defense you can shut a team down. Yeah, and you, and, you, need, to, you need to hold on to those leads late and have those like scrambles in the creases where you can keep the puck out of the net. That That's how you win in the playoffs. You can't give up those late tying goals. And even when you did blow a lead against Florida, you went and got the lead right back, and you yeah. held on the rest of the game. That's so, how you win. That's how you win. And I would much rather have, like, I love the games where we win seven to one, but those aren't playoff games. We need, we need those close games against good teams. We so, had one of those in the playoffs. How did that work? Yeah. Not well. Yeah. You're not going to win four games in a series seven to one, unless you're playing the coyotes in a bubble in Canada. Yeah. So hundred percent should be fun. I'm looking forward to the potential of having a game on Thursday and the Tampa game on Saturday. So Uh, I got nothing else for this one, so we're going to wrap this one here. Thank you so much for tuning in once again to this edition of the Teledabs. It is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at NHL. You can follow the show at Teledabs it is, and follow Christian at Christian underscore Bollet. We've got got some pretty exciting stuff coming in the works over the next couple weeks or so. We've got other announcements coming with the show over the next couple weeks or so, and we talked about the Olympics Uh, If they do happen, we're also going to be doing live streams for stuff like that, too, if they do, in fact, happen. So that should be a lot of fun. But uh, for us today, that's going to do it. Thank you so much once again for tuning in, and we will catch you all next time. Hope you enjoy the rest of your week. 